This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by BetDAC. Get 0% commission on all sports for 100 days when you join BetDAC.com. New customers only, terms and conditions apply. And by All About Sunday, the ownership experience where you can own three racehorses for only £18.99 per month. Visit AllAboutSunday.com to get involved today. Now, here's your host, Emmett Kennedy. It is great to have your company for a special edition of the podcast, and you're going to be treated to insight from three of the heavy hitters in the wing. You're going to hear from Brendan Powell, who'll react to the news that there are only 85 entries for the Grand National, with just 36 of those horses trained in the United Kingdom. He'll give us his thoughts on that, plus the latest on his potential rides in the Grand National, last year's fifth fitter on the roof, and the Welsh Grand National runner-up, the big breakaway. He'll also give us insight into his rides for the weekend, and the horses that he's looking forward to partnering at this year's Cheltenham Festival. Speaking of the greatest show on turf, Harry Cobden is going to have a lot of firepower for Cheltenham, the likes of Tomorris in the Supreme, the favourite for the Ballymore Hermes Allen, and of course, the King George winner, Brave Man's Game in the Gold Cup. He'll give us his thoughts on those horses and many more. But first, let's hear from a man who is in the winner's enclosure for Willie Mullins at the Dublin Racing Festival, Daryl Jacob, who partnered the hugely exciting novice chaser, El Fabiolo, to victory in the Irish Arkle. He's now the clear second favourite to John Bond in the Arkle, and I began by asking him that with the benefit of a couple of days to think about it, just how impressed was he with El Fabiola? Ah, uh, yeah, no, look at look at he's 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 always been a horse that um, we've always taught um, an awful lot of. Uh, um, you know, whenever he came over from France, he had a, had a bit of time out to acclimatise. But um, you know, whenever he came back and he won that uh, maiden hurdle at Tamora, and then he was second to John Bond. Um, you know, there was there was a lot of hope and a lot of excitement around him. Um, you know, and look, he's just a fine big horse. He's getting bigger and stronger, and you got to remember, he's a very, very lightly raced horse as well. Um, so yeah, no, look, I was delighted with El Fabiolo. He was, uh, I thought he was very good. Um, you know, the strength in the race, the more he he relaxes and, and the more he learns to race, I think he's just going to get better and better. Um, and it was a, a huge exciting way that the pace of the race was run at Leopardstown and I could travel really well in my comfort zone and, and the fact that you know he quickened up and he stayed really strongly to the line um, and beat some very very good horses by eight or nine lengths um, I think that's the exciting part of it because like I said Dino is in front of me and we all know he's a very good horse and he takes horses out of their comfort zone very very early but I was the one who was in control uh, behind him and, and being able to ride my own race behind him so um I just think he's a hugely, hugely exciting horse for, for Double Green, Willie and everybody involved. I spoke to Willie Mullins at the start of the season and I remember my eyes were kind of bulging out of my head with the way he was talking about El Fabiolo because as much as I was intrigued by him, the way Willie was talking, the, the idea that Sir Gerard would stay over hurdles seemed to be based on the fact that we've got an absolute monster in El Fabiolo and this, this fella is going to be the big star of, of the year and then when appreciated and Dicer Dynamo as you mentioned come out and even Flame Bear and Saint Roy that would have muddied the waters but he, he's come through that test 
flawlessly and on chase debut to destroy Colonel Mustard in the way that he did. Like, that's a proper grade one class racehorse for Lorna Fowler, and, and he murdered him. He's incredibly exciting. He's also a year younger than John Bon. And while people might look back at that Aintree run last year and say, well, John Bon will still have his measure, that was only his second ever run for Willie Mullins. So he's completely unexposed, and who knows how much better he could be over fences. Yeah, and, and that's the exciting thing about it. Like you say, he's only, he won a maiden hurdle down at Tremor, and I think it was New Year's Day, and then he went to Aintree. And, you know, some people say he was possibly a little bit unlucky at Aintree because he got, um, he got badly hampered three out. But, um, you know, Paul got him back on the bridle very quickly after that, and he still came through, and he still had every chance of beating uh, John Bone jumping the last, but John Bone probably, I suppose, had a little bit more match practice um, than him at that stage, and, and like you say, he's probably a bit more uh, match hardened than El Fabioto was. But um, like you say, he's a, he's a big horse, he's a big, strong, powerful horse, and, and, and like I say, I think you know the more racing he gets, the more he's going to relax into it, and he's, I think he's just going to get bigger and better. He's got a, a monumental stride on him. He covers the ground so so easy. Um, and like you say, he, he's got stamina there as well, which, you know, as you know yourself, that's what, exactly what you need. You need you need pace and you need stamina for them top two-mile races. How did the race ride to you with appreciated being so prominent and Dyson Dynamo just doing what Dyson Dynamo does? He's basically got one style of running. You were always traveling very, very well, but you're basically in a line coming to the last and then suddenly you just explode away from them and it just becomes a one-horse race then. It's all about El Fabiolo and the other three... Banbridge appreciated and Dyson Dynamo in a race for who's going to finish second. Did the race ride to you like it looked on paper, like a high-class grade one, like the best novice chase this season? You don't get very, um, you don't get very um, many average grade ones in Ireland, um, all them grade ones in Ireland, because of the, the program book and all that over there. They have to take each other on, and that's why you've seen Willie had so many horses over, over the weekend taking each other on. Um, you know, and they're hugely competitive. Um, they're hugely competitive races. Um, you know, and that race was run, like you say, it was run at a, a real good tempo from from start to finish. There was no, the tempo never dropped off. I was lucky enough. I was in um, the, the, a good position, say um, at the back of three out, that I could manage to sit and fill fill my lad up a little bit before I got the two out. And then um, I knew once I've done that at the back of the second lap, then I knew then I was. I was uh, I was comfortably coming back onto the bridle then, and, and I felt underneath me then. I always had enough horse then to get me home. So, um, you know, I knew it was going to turn into you know a good stay in match. Um, you know, from the back of three hours, I knew it was going to turn into you know horses were going to have to stay. And, and like you say, my lad stayed. You know, the best of the rest. Of them. How do you feel about the clash with John Bon? I think it's hugely exciting. I think you've got the best the best English um, and the best Irish horses. Um, I mean, if you if you take if you had to put John Bon into that picture over in Ireland, I mean, you had basically you had Darkle over here, didn't you? I mean, John yeah. Bon was the only horse that was missing, um, you know. And I think now you obviously see the the pecking order where, um, you know, what what's going to happen. Obviously, Al Fabiolo will be obviously Willie's uh, more than likely his number one, you know. Um, Dysartle will be in there too as well. Appreciate they've got options with him now, haven't they? Because they've learned a lot more about him. Um, and like you say, it's just going to be, it's going to be a mouth-watering clash because obviously John Bond beat him last year. John Bond looks very, very good over here. He looks very, very good over there. So um, I think it'll be a really exciting uh, rematch between them. You said something interesting on RTE, which Ruby Walsh picked up on. Uh, you talked about the new role, and Ruby turned to Barry Garrity on RTE and went, "I didn't know it was a new role." And um, you were then also saying that Paul and Willie will have a lot of fun with them. And my understanding is you're first jockey to Isaac Sweden Sam Muneer, but does this pesky Paul Townend get to muscle in on you? No, no, no. It's it's look at it's a, it's a team effort. Um, my contract is um, with Simon and Isaac for for all the English uh, English horses. I can't be in two places at one. Um, they've got so many horses in England and in Ireland that you know I can't cover all the ground. Um, it makes it makes sense. Uh, to do it the way we're doing it um, and like you say I still get to sit on on really really exciting horses and that, and like you say I, I I fill in the gaps whenever I'm needed to fill in the gaps um, which is hugely exciting uh, for me for Simon for Isaac for Anthony and, and, and everyone you know all the wonderful horses that we have in Ireland He's very very exciting and uh, you're good 
but you're not so good that you can just split yourself in two. Um, so obviously that, that makes sense. And thanks for clearing that up for us. He's, he's incredibly exciting. Just with a view to Dicer Dynamo, given the fact that he has only that one way of running, he has to go out in front and, and do all the hard work himself. Is it possible that he can actually control himself and maintain that gallop? Or is he always just going to be a little bit vulnerable? That's three runs in grade one company and three defeats. Is he just somewhat susceptible on the lead? Look at he settling. I listened to Danny's interview the other day. I've never written him, um, so I can't answer that question myself. But I heard Danny's interview saying that he's he's a horse that is getting uh, he's getting more relaxed with his racing um, over fences. So um, look at he's a very exuberant um, horse. He's a great jumper, and uh, you know, bar you know, he pretty much had all the horses, even at that grade one. He had all of them under pressure, bar. El Fabiolo to come into the last. So, you know, he's not far off of being the very, very best um, in his division, is he? So, you know, and if they can control his uh, his enthusiasm just a little bit more, which they clearly are, because that that is coming to the weekend. You know, he's going to be a hugely, hugely exciting horse for, for, for Willie and all of his connections as well. Mm, he's exciting, but he's not as exciting as El Fabiolo. My goodness, that's some horse. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, him in the Arkle. Uh, another horse that I'm excited about seeing, you haven't ridden yet, but I know that you go over to Willie's and, and ride work quite a few times. An Imperi Pass, who's owned by Isaac Swidden Sam Monier. Very impressive on debut over two mile three. But then in the Moscow Flyer, which is a proper supreme novice Ballymore trial for Cheltenham, he was wildly impressive there. And there's... Fasal Vega for the Supreme, there's Gaelic Warrior, Champ Kylie. Uh, hopefully this is going to be your fella. With Fasal Vega's defeat, is it possible he could go into the Supreme or is Willie still leaning towards the Ballymore? Um, I've absolutely no idea where he's going. Um, I'd say Willie doesn't know either. Like said, yeah, so um, no, I've no, no idea where he's going to go. Um, but yeah, look again, he's, he's a really exciting type of horse. Um, he's done very, very well from this year and... Uh, I think he's, he's going to continue to, to blossom. Um, he's got a little bit more growing to do, a little more filling out to do. But, um, you know, he's hugely exciting, talented. He could go two miles, he could go two and a half. So I suppose that division will be uh, maybe in Willie's mind. It might be a little bit clearer after the weekend. I've no idea. But, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's a lovely horse to look forward to for, for Double Green. Yeah, he's very exciting. Uh, so Royal did you proud at the weekend, one of only three UK runners at the Dublin Racing Festival. He, he's run well for third. Blue Lord was a little bit flat. That's clearly not his running. He beat Gentleman to Me by 40 lengths at, at Christmas, and then suddenly that horse is turning the form around. It just was an off day for him. But would you keep the faith in him for the champion chase? Absolutely. I mean, look, he, again, he's got options, doesn't he? He's got the champion chase, or he's got the Ryanair entry as well. So um, there's options there as well, but... Um, because he, 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 he was very, very impressive with me when I rode him around there six weeks ago. Um, he was hugely impressive, and, uh, you know, clearly that he didn't, uh, you know, he was a little bit flat. I could tell halfway down the back straight when I was following him to um, He wasn't the same horse that, that, that I sat on uh, six weeks ago or whenever it was. So, you know, he's hugely exciting. Um, you know, he's, there's, there's a lot more to come from him, and uh, he's a bigger, stronger horse this year, and, uh, like I say, he's He'll bounce back, no problem. There's two very exciting bumper horses for the double green with Willie Mullins. Fun, fun, fun. Bred by Patrick, ridden by Patrick at the weekend to win, which was terrific for him. But It's For Me, who's favoured for the champion bumper, was hugely impressive at Navin. Brilliant in his point-to-point, but stunning in, in Navin, albeit being odds-on and is now a short price favourite for, for the champion bumper. What do you make of both of them? Visually, uh, both of them were very, very impressive, weren't they? Um... I've sat on um, I've sat on this for me at home a few times. I've quite liked him. I think he'd be a really exciting hurdler uh, next year whenever he goes hurdling. Um, it was lovely to see uh, what he'd done um, at Navin that day. Um, he picked up really well from a nice even gallop um, and, and ran the line really really well. And fun fun fun. I thought I liked the way he was. He looked like as if he was slightly coming off the bridle. Uh, from the three to the two, but Patrick gave him a chance and he came straight back onto the bridle and he won really, really nicely. So, um, like you say, I don't know a whole lot about them, but visually they looked impressive. Switching yards and, and moving to, to Stuart Crawford, Gold Cup Bailey, Gold Cup Bailey, I keep butchering those pronunciations. Um, I like this horse a lot and I thought 
maybe the the weight was was the undoing of Madeira, but I, I thought he actually came out with his his reputation somewhat enhanced by that. He, he's a, a very very smart racehorse. How do you feel about him going forward? No, look at we're we're delighted with him up uh, um, at air the last day. Um, he's never taken on a horse of uh, of Ollie's uh, Ollie Murphy's what's his name Thomas Darby isn't it? Uh, yeah. I think his name of the horse. He's never taken on a horse of that quality. His, his other races that he's been winning, he's had top weight, giving away weight, and he seemed to he beat him quite um, impressively. Whereas this time around, it was Thomas that was Thomas that he was. We were getting weight from him. He was obviously second in the Supreme. He was one time one of the favourites for the Sayers. Um, it was only his third run over fences, even though he's a ten-year-old. But again, he was a very, very good horse, and uh, I thought the ground up us. Um, air the last day probably didn't suit my lad he didn't quite get into the same sort of rhythm as he had the time before but what I liked about him is you know from the back of three out you know he was uh, you know he was upside uh, Thomas Darby the whole way to the line and it was only literally the last 25 yards that he got a top of me so um, from my point of view um, I thought it was a great run because like I say he's never taken on horses of his quality before um, you know and just uh He's mixed it with him now, and um, like you say, hopefully, um, you know, hopefully it's springtime and stuff like that there could be a couple of more nice races to be won with him. He was second in a novice hurdle to a Hoy Senior uh, once upon a time, so there's still obviously a lot of faith and a lot of belief that he can still deliver. And two juvenile hurdlers that I'm interested in, there's uh, Nuzaret with Joseph O'Brien, who has had a breathing operation, and Zarek the Brave, who was second to Lossiemouth. That form looks damn good now. Um, could Zarek the Brave be a, a potential Boodles, Fred Winter horse? And and what's the latest on Nuzret? Uh, I spoke to Joseph O'Brien uh, at the weekend. He's very, very happy with him. Um, he's canting away. He's doing really, really well. I'm due to pop over there in 10 days' time and sit on him. So looking forward to that. Um, so yeah, we're very, very happy with Nuzret. Um He is entered in England this weekend. Um not sure whether he'll take that engagement or not. Um, I don't know. Um, and then, yeah, so look, we're very, very happy with him. Going to be a, an interesting horse and definitely want to keep on side, I, I suspect, going forward. Final question. Pretty obvious the most exciting one to look forward to is El Fabiolo. But is there another horse that's keeping you awake at night that you're really excited about partnering? Uh, yeah, no, look, we've got some, some, some lovely horses over there um, in Ireland um, and in England. But I suppose... Like all the bumper horses and stuff like that, they're they're doing well and they'll they'll keep um they'll keep improving the more they go along. Um, I like a horse called Larry Shark that I won a, a maiden hurdle on, and obviously Nuzaras is, is is hopefully it's going to be a nice juvenile. And you know I think with the chasers coming through, there could be nice chasers coming through next year as well. So. We're very lucky we've got plenty of nice horses to look forward to. It's an exciting time, Daryl. We'll be cheering you on at Cheltenham and looking forward to talking to you again very soon as well. Best of luck for the rest of the season. Cheers, mate. Thank you very much. I don't know about you, but I was very taken with how Daryl spoke about Nuzeret. So much so, I went straight on to BetDAC to see what price we can get about him for the Boodles. 14s. He is 14-1 to 1 for Joseph O'Brien and Daryl Jacob in the Boodles Juvenile Handicap Hurdle. Don't know if that's his target, but if it is, he could be very, very interesting. Largy Shark, definitely one for the tracker. And while Paul Townend will have first option on the Isaac Swede, Sam Munir owned Willie Mullins trained racehorses, Daryl is still going to have a lot of firepower and will surely add to his already three Cheltenham Festival wins this season. A class act, a gentleman, and he's in terrific form this season. Great to speak to him on the final furlong. The entries for the Grand National came out this week. 85 with only 36 of them trained in the United Kingdom. Let's bring in top Cheltenham Festival winning jockey Brendan Powell. 27 wins on his CV this season with 2.4 million in prize money in the last four seasons. He finished fifth in last year's Grand National on board Fiddler on the Roof. But what's his reaction to the disappointing turnout of British entries? Um, yeah, I mean, it's a question everyone's been asking for the last few years, really, am it? Um... You know that a lot of the a lot of the higher quality animals seem to be um, across the water in in Ireland, but um, yeah, it's 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 a puzzle that everyone's trying to put together. Um, but yeah, at, at the moment we're just we're, we're just let, you know we're we're not quite um, we're not quite on par with the, the likes of William Gordon, but um, I think it goes like that sometimes, and and hopefully it'll do a full circle um, soon enough. 
Well, the theme of the Grand National and the Cheltenham Festival for the last few years has been the Irish domination of those events. There's 28 races at Cheltenham, 22 of the favourites are trained in Ireland, and Willie Mullins is responsible for 14 of those. And if you look at the betting for the Grand National, of the top 20, only five are trained in the UK, and one of those horses isn't actually qualified to run. So it's not even a quality over quantity thing for British racing. It's clearly going to take time to turn this ship. Do you feel like the right measures are being put in place to course correct for British racing? I, 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 can, see, I can see it turning a corner. I'm, I'm not entirely sure when, but, um, you know, you go back sort of 10 years and, 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 it, was, and it was the other way around. And I think, I, I think that's just, I think that's just um, nature of the beast, really. I think it, uh, it comes and goes in waves and... Um, I'm sure it. I'm sure it won't be long until until the, um, the UK have, have have a have a have a good or if not better bunch of horses. Um, uh, yeah, ho- hopefully it'll come around soon enough. Right now, that Irish domination looks as though it's going to continue. But for the Grand National, uh, you've got a, a horse that the bookmakers are taking very very seriously and rightly so in the Big Breakaway. Uh, run a monster race in the Welsh Grand National. We know he'll stay. He jumps well. Bookies have made him a twenty to one shot. How do you think he'll cope with the entry test? I think I think he'll I think he'll cope fine. Um, obviously, like you said, he, he stamina is is what he's all about, really. And you know, last season he he wasn't really running at all as as he was the season before. And and then we um, we then found out he was suffering with quite bad sore shins, which would explain why he why he wasn't running any sort of race last season. And um, you know, when he was second at Haydock, I, the, I thought the writing was on the wall after we jumped a few fences because he didn't travel well at all and he was jumping big and up in the air. But I think he was—I think he probably still had his sore shins on his mind. And second half of the race, he came good and um, he ran a super race that day. And then, you know, he backed that up again, finishing second in the Welsh National. Um, he does love soft ground, um, but he can cope with better ground. So. I don't think it should should worry him in springtime, but you know, even at home, um, schooling and riding him out at home, it feels like he's got his mojo back. So, hopefully, going forward, um, you know, all that will be in place by the time we get to entry. And with all of the changes that have been made to the Grand National, do the entry fences still take a good bit of adjusting to? And if so, do you think he'll cope with them? I think so. Look, obviously, the the, the the jumping test isn't what it was back in back in the day, um, but they do still take they do still take jumping. There is still um, there is still fallers in the race, but I think now that they've lowered the height of some of the fences, um, it does bring a, a bit more speed into the race. Um, and you know, jockeys always say that sometimes the biggest contribution to a faller can be speed. So um, it, it is still a test. You know, it's still the best part of four and a bit miles and, and the fences do still take a lot of jumping. Um, you need a lot of luck around there, 40 runners. Um, but I, I think he's, he, he's, he's mentally and physically more than capable of, of, of handling that test. As much as I love Tiger Roll and I love him, it's hard to imagine how Tiger Roll would have won the Grand National 20 years ago when Monty's Pass was winning in 2003. Just it was a different test. Um, speedier, more nimble horses like him are, are able to, to get round. Last year, you were fifth in the Grand National on Fiddler on the Roof, who was a, a high-class racehorse on his day. Last time we saw him was in the Hennessy, the now Coral Gold Trophy, when he was pulled up behind Lamilos. That clearly wasn't his running, but he seemed to enjoy himself last year. Yeah, he did. I got I got a brilliant brilliant ride off Fiddler um, in the national last year, and we ended up with a nice position. And he and he and he jumped really well. Um, and coming down to two out, I thought I had uh, I thought I had a winning chance. And um, you know the front four have sort of picked up from the back of the last. And Fiddler, he, he did he did finish from the elbow, quite tired, but he handled the test well. Uh, Newbury, when he ran in the Hennessy last time, he he did come back quite sore. Um, so that you know he obviously didn't run his run his race that day for that reason. Um, and obviously, you know, there's a lot of water to go into the bridge between now and April. But um, it's it's quite a nice position to to be able to have have the choice in the <laughs> of a few horses to ride in the national. So um, yeah, I, I I won't be worrying about that decision just yet. I'll um I'll, I'll wait until closer to the time. Yeah, I think if you were to commit now and say, I'm going to have made my mind up, I'm going to ride 
horse X. You'd be a brave thing to do, and the best thing to do is just do the Willie Mullins approach. Leave it till the very last second, and then confirm. Uh, yeah, say nothing and, uh, and 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 wait close to the time. That's that's why that's what I usually do. Exactly. Uh, horses that we definitely know you're going to be on board at the weekend uh, is Eldorado Allen, a very high class horse who's been running terrifically well this season. Second to Brave Man's Game in the Charlie Hall, uh, then runner up to Protectorat in the Betfair Chase, uh, and fourth in the King George last time out. He's going to have strong claims dropped in class in the Denman Chase. Yeah, I mean he 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 rarely rarely runs a runs a bad race. Um, I believe I believe he's highest on ratings um, on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, and after the after the King George at, at Kempton, um, myself and Joe kind of came to the conclusion that it might be time just just to try a bit of headgear on him. So um, I think he's declared with a pair of cheap pieces on Saturday. Um, you know, just to just to probably make my life a little bit easier. Um, you know, was, you know, last season he was winning a Holden Gold Cup over two miles, but um, he's he, he's um, he, he just he, he made hard work of King George from a long way out at, at Kempton, and you know, he definitely uh, he definitely can't question his stamina now. You know, when we ran when we ran him in uh, in in the Denman last year. It, was three miles and good ground flat track and um I wasn't entirely convinced that he was a out and out stayer but after the way he ran at, at um Haydock he in soft ground behind protector at he, he, he it seems like stamina is is his thing now so um I think a pair of cheap pieces should should hopefully make my life easier and um yeah but it'd be nice for him to go and get his head in front again and he was very good in this race last year before then going on to Cheltenham and taking on Alaho and we know what a machine he is and, and he did well to, to place behind him. Yeah. Looking at the market, he's generally a, a two to one shot. Hitman is favorite. I, I like Hitman a lot and this is more of his level because it just appears as though anytime he goes into grade one company, he sinks like a stone. But at grade two level, he is capable of, of winning races. But he doesn't really have the solid profile that Eldorado Allen has. No, he doesn't. Um, but like you said, Emma, he, he is he is a he is a high class horse on his day. So, um, I, I, I think I think I think it'll be it'll be a good race to ride in and 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 it'll be a good race to watch as well and um, you know that's that's kind of what we're in racing for, isn't it? To to be competing at the you know at, at the top level and and have some competitive racing. So um, yeah, hopefully all horses turn up and 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 put on a put on a good show. Uh, Elixir, now I keep butchering this pronunciation and it's becoming a habit with Lee where he just mocks me for my French pronunciations, which. <laughs> Way back in the day, back in 19 dickety do, when I did the leaving cert and did French ordinary level, I managed to get an A, and now I can't speak it at all. It's just gone. So let's go with an hello, hello uh, pronunciation of Elixir de Nuts. So at Doncaster. I think, that sounds, I think that sounds about right, yeah. Is that what Terry says? Is that what Joe Tizard says in the morning? How's that Elixir de Nuts getting on? Um, so it, no, not, not 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 quite like that, but 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 somewhere near that, yeah, yeah. The grey, the, the grey horse. So he he bounced back gray, to form at, at Doncaster behind Excitations, a terrific run that day, and then he won very impressively at Wincanton. And funnily enough, Excitations also won that day. Yeah. That was two mile four. He's back to two miles. It's good to see him back in form. How do you feel about the weekend? Um, yeah, I mean, like like you said, when he was second. At Doncaster, um, I think we pulled we pulled 30, about 35 lengths clear of the third off, so um, that was a super run, and and he obviously put on a good performance at Wincanton over two and a half, um, but he's probably got a little bit to find uh, on ratings on Saturday, but um, there's no reason why he he, he won't be bang there. He, he, he's he loves he loves it over two miles, and Newbury should suit him. Um, so hopefully, if we can get into a nice rhythm and. He stays the two miles. He stays the two miles really well. So um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully with a clear round, he we should be picking up some prize money anyway. Yeah, Green Team will take an awful lot of beating, but it's a horse race. Anything can happen. Fumble Savola hasn't looked himself this year. John Bond won't go, so he, he's definitely yeah. got a chance of, of at least getting the the place money. No, no, yeah, he, he was obviously he was a, he was a fairly fairly high class um, hurdler as well. You know, Tolworth winner. So. Um, you know, he's, 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 got, he's got good form in his book, so yeah, hopefully, fingers crossed, he, he runs his race on Saturday. Yeah, it's nice to see him back in good form as well. Uh, Scarface was making his handicap debut after two novice hurdle wins in the Lanzarote, which was just a bizarre race. 
67 horses were pulled up that day. Uh, there was there was 20 runners, but only four finishers. I thought he'd shaped quite well just before struggling from three out. How has he come out of that race? Yeah, he came out of the race okay. Um, the ground was the ground was quite hard work that day, and it was it was quite quite gluey sort of ground, and, and I felt like we went a really strong gallop as well. <clears throat> He's a horse that usually travels quite well in his races, but um, I I couldn't really go the gallop early on. But I had a nice run round. He jumped well halfway down the back. I thought I thought I had a chance. Um, I, I thought I had a chance of, of 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 running running a nice race, and by the time I jumped the last hurdle down the back. And we turned in, um, you know, he was he was pretty tired by the time we got to two out. So, um, yeah, hopefully on a bit better ground, um, he, he should he should be a bit more comfortable. Yeah, I think Scarface is a very interesting horse uh, to keep in mind going forward, as is Amarillo Sky. He's won twice this season, was fourth to Editor Dejit last time out. Nothing wrong with that form at all. Will he go back for the Grand Annual? Um, I'm not entirely sure. I think that might be the plan. Um, I, I, that, that, that was that was sort of the plan all along, obviously. He, he went up. He went up four. I think he went up four pounds for uh, finishing fourth at, at Cheltenham behind um, Edward Stone, um, the horse of Gary Moore. So I forget its name and, and Nugamine. So the handicapper obviously that was a good run. Um, but um, I, I haven't I haven't seen him. Uh, I haven't seen Amarillo's guy since um, since he ran at Cheltenham. So um, yeah, hopefully all being well, he, he he might turn up there. And on Sunday we'll see Rose of Arcadia. Uh, she's had a, an interesting season. Joe decided to put her back into point-to-points, which she won two of those, and it worked a treat because it clearly worked on her mentality because she's then come out and won two races under rules, a handicap hurdle and a handicap chase. How do you think she'll fare Sunday? Yeah, I mean, like you said, she, we, we were kind of scratching our heads a little bit with her um, the previous season before she went point-to-pointing. Um, you know, she ran a couple of nice races, but wasn't really running like we think like we thought she would um she went point to pointing and did really well you know freddie gindrell gets on really well with her and um you know she's, she's come back and and she, she she she's she's barely run a bad race since so um yeah she's in good form i scored her last week actually uh last wednesday and um yeah she she, she seems in really good form and um you know tizard's horses are running pretty good at the moment so ho- hopefully uh, hopefully she'll have a chance we've seen the Dublin Racing Festival you've ridden in the King George and in the Betfair Chase behind Brave Man's Game if there was any horse that you could ride in the Gold Cup who would you choose? Oh, good question um, I'd like to ride Lennington to be honest Emma <laughs> I'd like, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like I'd like to ride any of them in the uh, in, in the Gold Cup. Um, yeah, look, obviously it's the, the the Gold Cups is it's what, what all the jockeys um, you know want to win when they're when they're um, when they're growing up galloping the Champs. Obviously, he's he's probably he's probably the one that you want to be on. Um, you know, no Noble Yates. It looked like he had this right sort of profile, but he, he he did look just like he raced a little bit lazy at Cheltenham last time. Um, but I'd I'd say now if if I did have the choice, I'd be um, I'd be riding Gallop into Champs. I'd say that is music to my ears. And uh, Paul had a pretty rough weekend. He was deadly on Gallop into Champs. He was deadly on on Statement. But if you had been standing beside Willie after the Lossy Mouth and Fasal Vega rides, you might very well have been able to get yourself that ride. So he should have been over at the DRF. Uh, such was the pressure on <laughs> Paul. But we'll uh, we'll give Willie a call uh, and, and we'll throw your name into the mix. Uh, I'm delighted to hear that because I'm, I'm in love with Gallop on the Champ. And I, I think, don't complicate your mind, I think that horse just wins the Gold Cup. Brendan, best of luck yeah. at the weekend and uh, looking forward to talking to you in the build-up to Cheltenham as well. Uh, some a- exciting horses to be looking forward to, uh, but best of luck for the weekend ahead. Thank you very much, Emmett. Thanks for having me on. The interview my arse, because that's the, the clowns of you that are on there. That's why I wouldn't want it. You are talking absolute rubbish. Absolute rubbish. You are. You're a farce and so is he. He knows nothing about race. You are an underachiever in life. You were unsafe your bacon one time. You were gone. You are one of these take-out merchants. Take-out all you can. You're calling out bootmakers' prices on this channel, right? You couldn't have two bananas to a banana with a bootmaker's inside. But stop you talking rubbish. Right, the show's over, boys. Thank you very much. Let me show you right now before you give it up.
Brendan Powell speaking to me yesterday for Racing Live, which is a terrific show which you can hear Wednesdays, Thursdays and Fridays from 1 to 4 p.m. on TalkSport 2. It's highly recommended, even if I am a little bit biased myself. We get some of the biggest names in racing on that show, including top jockey Harry Cobden, who's been having a stellar season, 83 wins, and £1.5 million in prize money. This interview was recorded a few weeks ago, and it was supposed to be released by Spotify, but it got lost in the ether. But better late than never, because Harry gives us some fascinating insight, particularly into the Ballymore novice hurdle favourite Hermes Allen. Wait till you hear what he has to say about him. His supreme novice hurdle hope to Morris, and of course, his big ride in the Gold Cup, Brave Man's Game. And I began by talking about the impressive King George winner and asking Harry how he's come out of the race. I'll be honest with you, I, I haven't even sat on him. Oh, um, tremendous. Thanks for joining us. Right, we'll be back again later. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I wouldn't get too involved uh, in, the, in the day-to-day life of Brave Man's Game. The only thing I would do is school him before he runs. Um, so his lad that rides him every day is Scott Marshall. So he's very much under, well, he's very much under control for 95% of the time. And I'd ride him on the rare occasion, but he looks fantastic. The plan is obviously to go straight to the Gold Cup. So, yeah, no, I'm very much looking forward to March, I suppose. Even had Lampresse stood up, you were still going to be a very impressive winner. It becomes an even more visually impressive performance when he capsizes at the last. But were you expecting such a brilliant performance? I thought when he ran at Weatherby that he was only 60-70% fit. I didn't think he was he, he was fit at all and he blew a, a little bit afterwards. And I knew there was so much improvement there from Weatherby to Kempton. By no means did I go into the race and think all we had to do was jump round and stand up and we'd have it um, sewn up. But, you know, I was I, I was very, very confident going into it, though, because he never felt so good schooling in the week and he looked brilliant and he, was, he went there fresh. He's always very good fresh. And so, yeah, no, I was I was, I was was confident he was, he was going to run a big race. It was just whether we were good enough on the day, you know. There's a changing of the guard at the very top end of the elite staying chasing division and we saw that at Leopardstown in that a Plutard unfortunately didn't make the race Conflated steps in and absolutely bolts up there Manella Indo and Statler went to New Year's Day and the Savile's chase at Tremor and in your race in the King George Frodon was the only horse running in the race your stable companion to have actually previously run in the King George and it was only Frodon and Envoy Lan who'd won an open company grade one it is just an example of how there is a real changing of the guard in the elite staying division but was this yeah. did it run to you like a proper elite King George? I, I, I thought we went a we went a right good gallop. Um Frodon's obviously on his day a very, very good horse and he's not a champion, but he's a very, very good horse. Going into the race, I think Lahom Presse was probably the highest rated chaser in this country in the mm-hmm. in that division. I don't know. Was he probably after his win at um Newcastle? So um going into it, he was definitely the one to beat. Brave man's game. Uh, for some reason, there are quite a lot of people that sort of doubted him, wasn't there? I don't know why. I was one of them. I have to say. <laughs> yeah. Every time he's gone to a, to a, to a big occasion, he's probably never really delivered, has he? When he's gone to Aintree and Cheltenham in the past, as a well, obviously last year he didn't run at Cheltenham Festival, but as a novice over hurdles and various other things, and I suppose one could probably say that he has been fairly well placed and been minded, and when he comes to the big day, he probably lets us down, but. I think, you know, Paul has got him absolutely spot on this year. He's probably learned how to train him a lot better. I've learned how to ride him a lot better. And we've really seen the best of Brave Man's game now. So with regards to the race, I thought they went a good gallop. Lahon Presse kept the race honest the whole way. He was the one to beat. And, and we, look, I know he's jumped left and there could be an excuse there that now he's got injured, but visually on the day I thought I went I actually went further than him and and um you know I think the best horse won on the day I completely agree I think when it comes to Cheltenham you've nailed a lot of the concerns that many people would have had critics will say oh, Cheltenham is night and day to Kempton in terms of the attributes that he has flat track right-handed three miles for the King George. The Gold Cup is three miles, two and a half furlongs, an undulated track with a stiff uphill finish, and you're going left-handed. There's very limited evidence to back up those who will say, oh, he doesn't fire in the spring or he doesn't suit Cheltenham. He's only run at Cheltenham in the Ballymore, and his running in the spring has only come three times. Cheltenham in the Ballymore and then the two runs at Aintree. So it's a very, very small sample size that people are basing this theory on, oh, he's not going to be as good at Cheltenham. Does he have the attributes required 
for the Gold Cup in your mind? I've never won a Gold Cup. I've ridden in a few. Um, he's, I think he could probably, I think he's probably a better horse than a few that I've ridden uh, in those top class races. He's, he's, he's definitely one of the best horses I've ever ridden. Got to be. He's, he's, he's right up there. But with regards to the track, well, I don't think the track's an issue. He's, he's a very well-balanced horse. Horse. he's a good jumper um i can't see that being an issue the only other time he's ran there before i didn't think he was right left-handed's not an issue he's one round newbury and newton abbott and a few other left-handed tracks uh haydock and various other places um is the trip an issue well he went three and a half miles on boxing day whether you like it or not he went five wide the whole way around there <laughs> so i don't know I, I, everyone sort of I, it's quite funny how many people pick faults him but to be fair to him he's, he's been nothing but brilliant brilliant uh, this year i know he probably let a few people down on the big days but from from me he's he's always uh he's been rock solid and for every time he's ever got beat there's always been a reason you know like last year at eight tree he had a, a few little issues and i think he might have had a little bout of ulcers or something like that and just he was over the top and he bolted on the way to start and you know every time he's got beat there's something has, has gone wrong that we've not we've not once walked away scratching our heads thinking why has that happened um so for, for me, I I don't know. I, I I from from a jockey's point of view, I'm very confident going into the race, and I feel quite fortunate to be riding them. In Paul Nichols and Harry Cobden, we trust. Very excited about him, and I will never ever doubt Brave Man's game again. John Dance will never let me live <laughs> that one down. You talked about hand on heart. I'm going to ask you a question now. Hand on heart, um, is Brave Man's game the best chaser in this country? On your in your opinion, hundred percent he is, without question. And what would you and and would you say Galloping Deschamps is the best chaser in Ireland at the moment? If you were a jockey, what would you ride out of the Irish horses in the Gold Cup if the race was tomorrow? If you ask Paul Townend, he'll instantly say Galloping Deschamps. But if you ask Rachel Blackmore, she'll tell you a Plutard. Yeah. And they would both answer that without hesitation. What price is a Plutard in the Gold Cup? Same price as you. He's 8-1 to one as well. He's 8-1, to one, is he? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I know he's had two blitz now. But you look at it, like off the back of uh, last year's win, he's probably what? Even money favourite? He was joint favourite with Gallop and Deschamps. I think Gallop and Deschamps would have been a, a slight second favourite before the Betfair chase. And then on the back of Hayduck, everything changed. And Gallopin came out and won the John Durkin Memorial very impressively. That was an incredibly stylish win. He gets caught instantly by default by all the bookmakers. Clearly a Plutard wasn't right, and now we know that he was sick. And yet he's drifted out to eight to one, and he hasn't had the opportunity to showcase that he's now back to himself. We know we know how good Rachel Blackmore is. We know how good Henry de Bromhead is, and basically, if they get that horse back on track, then he's probably the value in the race, on isn't he? I would side with you because you're the young blood coming through. This is why I kicked myself about the King George. I did tip Brave Man's game for the Gold Cup at thirty threes at the start of the season under the, the proviso that if you think he's going to win the King George, which at the start of the season I was saying he probably will, then he'll definitely go for the Gold Cup and he couldn't possibly be as big a price as 33-1. to 1. So you've got me on the gravy train and, and I'm very much believing, but that 8-1 to 1 is too big as well. I mean, I think he's a bet right now. Paul Nichols comes back from um, Antigua on Saturday and every time he comes back from holiday, he has the bit between his teeth and he's going to have a right good go for it. So... Uh, There'll be a, there'll be no stone unturned. I mean, the, the whole time he's been away, between every before every race and the night before, or whatever, he's been on the phone. He doesn't miss a race. He's been watching it, so uh, he uh, he's got his foot very much on the gas. He's also away from the freezing cold, racing being cancelled, and having to shovel snow and deal with the freezing and the ice. So he'll be in better form for that as well. <laughs> he wouldn't know anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just on, on Brayman's game and and Paul and Cheltenham, I got the impression that he didn't really want to run him in the Ballymore, but it was too big a prize and you could not go for it. And he wasn't mad keen to go for Cheltenham last year either for the old RSA. In the end, he didn't go for it, but that was because the ground was, was too bad. Paul wanted to talk about Kempton, but I didn't think it was that he wanted to stay away from Cheltenham. I got the impression it was in that stage of the horse's development, mentally and physically, maybe that Cheltenham wouldn't have been right for him for the Ballymore, mightn't have been right for him last year. Am I on to something there? Well, obviously, for the last sort of 18 months, he wasn't all that 
all that mad on going to Cheltenham with him. But then obviously he trained him for the race, right? So he was ready for his life to go there. And then obviously we had all the rain and we all had a bit of a funny five minutes and he ended up being made a non-runner and then he was obviously well over the top at Aintree, wasn't he? But this year, as soon as I got off him in the King George, like, the plan was straight to the Gold Cup and he's, you know, since, since Boxing Day, he's been training for the race. We don't know whether we're good enough. No, hopefully we are. But, I mean, from my point of view, when Paul Nichols says he's going to train one for a Gold Cup, or train one for a specific race. You know, this year we've had a few targets. He was Hermes Allen was going to go for the um, for the Chalo Hurdle after he won at New Year's Day. He's trained him for the race. He's had him absolutely spot on. Tamarus, he was going to um, the Tolworth after his first novice hurdle at Chepstow. Brave Man's game was targeted for Weatherby. He said he's going to send him there. He knew he wasn't fit and he was going to just try and get away with it. He obviously won there and then he trained him for the goal, uh, King George. And now since Boxing Day's... He's uh, he's going straight for the Gold Cup, but like I'm probably a little bit slightly biased because I ride for Paul Nichols all the time. But I promise you now, I've never known a bloke to re- ready a horse for 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 a certain day. Like when he says he's going to train one for a day, like it's unbelievable. He he just gets them 110 percent of the day. And, you know, they don't even need to go for a race course gallop or anything like that. He just it's it's it's. I'll give you another example, right? So, Politolog used to um, bleed a little bit. He used to bleed now and again. So, anyway, we were in the office one morning and Paul Nichols said to me, right, that's it. I've decided I'm going to train Politolog a different way. I'm going to train him on a four furlong straight gallop and a 400 metre round gallop, right? So, we're just like, all right, we're going along with it. And he sent Politolog to run the champion chase the year he won it. I know it wasn't probably the greatest champion chase in the world, but... um, he trained him off a four furlong bottom gallop and a 400 meter round gallop uh, and had that horse peaked for that day. And like that breaks all the rules that he's ever set. Like he, they always go up the hill gallop, but he just changed it and he trained that horse to win a champion chase like that. It's just, it's unbelievable. Some of the things he does, you know, he just, I don't know how he does it, but I've never, never seen anything like it really. He just sees things differently. And I think that's yeah. that's why Paul and Willie and Nikki and Gordon and Henry stand out from everybody else. They see things differently in their own unique way and make key decisions that result in massive wins. Obviously, you need the good horses to start with, don't you, to train? Mm. But they are just—they're just all very good trainers, aren't they? But just some of the things Paul does is unbelievable. Speaking of unbelievable, Hermes Allen who you talked about. Chala Hurdle winners don't have a very good record in the Ballymore, but my God, he was stunningly impressive in the Chalo. Uh, and I believe you said to Alice or Ollie on ITV, that's the most impressive novice grade one winner I've ever ridden. Uh, he was stunningly Im- impressive that day. Now favourite for the Ballymore. <laughs> How confident are you ahead of Cheltenham? Well, he was obviously very good that day and he hasn't done anything wrong all year, has he? Um, I thought he was... An absolute donkey when he first turned up. He gave you no whatever. It was like this little sort of um, four, 15 to slightly walled eye horse that sort of didn't do anything very impressive. Um, never really blew anyone away. And ran at Stratford and I was somewhere else and he absolutely won by like half the track with Brian Frost on. And uh, I couldn't really believe it I thought well the others must be no good in that race and then he went and won, ran at Cheltenham and absolutely bolted up couldn't believe what I was seeing and then obviously he's gone to Newbury and won there as well so he's he's clearly got lots and lots of ability and saves it for the track but he, the one thing he has always done is he's always jumped very very well he's always been a good jumper and um, I think was he five to two favourite for Ballymore now? Mm. I think he's a worthy favourite. He's he's achieved a lot more than any other novice in this country. It just depends what the Irish have across the water, isn't it? And he's also got form at Cheltenham. Like he won the Ballymore novices hurdle. It was the old Hyde novices hurdle, the Grade Two. He's he's bolted up in that under you, and that form has worked out quite well because we've all been caught. Who I know is held in very high regard has come out and, and won at Cheltenham. So your form has, has been franked, and you've then stepped out into grade one company and destroyed everything. And 
you also know that if there is a torrential downpour like last year, he'll handle whatever ground comes his way. He's he's bolted up on good at Cheltenham, and he's bolted up on almost unraceable conditions at Newbury. Yeah, and he was very good, wasn't he? And, you know, and he, he he's got he's also got a very good mind. He's a very easy horse to ride and do every, and, 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 uh, to do everything with at home and on the track, which I think is a massive plus. If you have got a horse with a good temperament, it makes your life so much easier, doesn't it? Oh, massively so. You're going to have a huge chance there in the Ballymore, but you're also going to have a huge chance in the Supreme because you mentioned Tamaris as well, and he's been making terrific strides this season. He's bolted up on debut over hurdles, very good winner at Haydock, and then really good the last day in the Tallworth. For all that his market rivals didn't fire that day, for whatever reason, with Arctic Brazil and, and the Moor Horse, uh, but your guy was incredibly professional and jumped beautifully a little mistake at the last and he seemed to idle a little bit on the run-in but he looks a world-class racehorse for you yeah i love him i think he's going to be a much better chaser next year he's the sort of horse that would only give you what you ask of him he'd, ne- he'd never go and win a race by 20 lengths and look really really impressive he, he'd win a naught to 120 it's the same as he win a toll worth you know um he's very straightforward and I know he didn't he didn't jump the last two hurdles very well at Sandown the other day. I think that was deep, horrible ground, but he's always jumped bloody well. So he um, he's a horse that I like a lot. Whether we're good enough to win a Supreme, I'm not sure. Rapid fire on, on a few horses. Pictori, he's going to take on Shishkin at Ascot is, is the plan. And then presumably he'd go for the Ryanair. Yeah, look, obviously, if Shishkin was on his day, like turned up and in, 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 in his old form, then we'd obviously... Uh, we'd be up against it. But he's got to bounce back off of a, probably a disappointing couple of runs, hasn't he? Picked or he's in the form of his life. Um, and he's probably improved a little bit this season. I think he's... No, he, no, that's unfair. He's definitely improved a lot this season. He's been very good. He's won all three times. He's been... I think he's been quite impressive as well. You know, he was very... Peter chase, wasn't he? And he was, he was um, even better on uh, Saturday at Kempton. So... Um, He's in good form, and, and I'm and I'm sort of looking forward to that race at um, Ascot. The test that Cheltenham will provide, he hasn't really had the opportunity. I think he's only run there once in his career. To be fair, Cheltenham isn't going to be an issue for him. No, no, I don't think so. Um, his jumping used to be a little bit dodgy, but he certainly sorted himself out there. Um, uh, you know, he, but personally, my opinion is, and, and, and I'm probably being a little bit negative, and the, his owner and, and the trainer would probably went like this, but he's just sort of five, in my opinion, he's five or six pounds just short of being very, very good. Um, and he's gone to the Peterborough Chase this year. Paul has trained him for the race. He's gone and won that. Um, he's won the Silvio Conti, but uh, I know he's absolutely bolted up and probably looked very, very good, but he's got... Clondor Castle and what was the Fergo O'Brien horse in behind him? I can't remember its name anyway, but um, they are they're 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 not really great two horses, are they? They're just very very good handicappers. So um, I don't know. I, we can't take anything away from what he's done this year, but I just think when he goes in a Ryanair, uh, from a jockey's point of view, they go faster, it puts more pressure on their jumping and other things, and I way like he has done in the um, Silviaco Conti chase and the um, the Peterborough chase. It's, it's, it's a lot different riding in those in those big great ones at those festivals. They go end to end gallop. There's no let up. There's no room for mistakes. You can't miss a fence, you know. And um, I think he's a couple of pounds short of being good enough to win a race like that. Look, I'm looking forward to riding him, but whether we're good enough on the day, we will see. For the record books, Paint the Dream was the Fergal Brian horse who was third to you. Um, the other yeah. day, stage star back in the winners' enclosure last time out. Well, he's got. He's, we've we've we obviously um some sort of issue at Newbury, um, which I I didn't know what the problem was there. He was very good at Plumpton, very much entitled to win that day though, because it was only a two-runner race, and he was six to one on or four to one on or something like that. So he had to win there, but he was good. I I I, I was quite excited with that. But he seems in really good form. Greenteen is kind of being a little bit forgotten about. He won the Tinkle Creek last season he was a good second in it this year to edward stone and he's not really getting the respect that he deserves he'll be a player for you in the champion chase yeah very much so um i actually finished fourth on him a couple of years ago in that race uh 
he's very good. I'm not sure we saw his true running it on the Tingle Creek. You know, he didn't jump very well, and he probably didn't travel as well as he has done in the past. I don't know what it was, whether it was ground or maybe he had a harder race than we we probably thought in the um, Holden Gold Cup, carrying 12 stone in that handicap. So. Um, I think Paul's half thinking about running him in the game spirit at Newbury um, and then going for the champion chase after that. But very, very good horse. And he's probably forgotten about and 16 to 1 in a, in a champion chase. He's, he's a nice bit of each way value, isn't he, really? Yeah, you've got to find the, the value when you've got uh, an odds-on favourite who obviously is a star and, and an Oracle winner. Edward Stone is, is ground-dependent very much so, and we know that from Alan King, and something's got to at least finish third, and, and right now Greentine stands out as, as the value there, uh, in my opinion. Two to, to wrap up with, um, beginning with Wrapped Up in May, a, a bumper horse owned by Mrs. Johnny De La Haye, uh, so wearing the, the surname Pictori Silks, very easy winner of a point-to-point start, and looked very, very impressive in his bumper. Yeah, look very good. Lovely big strapping horse. Um, Mr. Delahaye, funny enough, bought these horses um, from the point to point field uh, and purposely sort of gave them time to grow and whatnot. So that was why they only ran in bumpers this year. They're going to go novice hurling next year. So he's given them plenty of time. Funny enough, you like him the most. I actually prefer the other horse, the other chestnut horse of his, um, Captain Teague. I think I think he could be one. Oh. I was not expecting that. I, I thought maybe you mentioned Thames Water. What is it about Captain Teague that intrigues you so much? I don't know. I just think he's a very... I, well, from my opinion, the best, the three best bumper horses in our yard, probably as it stands, would be Fireflyer, Captain Teague, and possibly wrapped up in May. They would be the, they would be the three best ones, in my opinion. But so much can change, can't it? They've all got to jump and progress to running over hurdles. But... Um, I think Firefly and Captain Teague uh, are very, very good. Um, and and wrapped up in me, he, he he's he he couldn't have been any more impressive at um, Exeter, could he? No, he bolted up. That was hugely, hugely impressive. And remember those three names into your tracker uh, and follow next time out blindly uh, under the advice of Harry Cobden. Uh, and the final one I have for you is Silver Forever, unbeaten in two starts over fences, winner of seven over ten starts, and she's never finished out of the first three. She's going to be aimed at the Maris Chase at Cheltenham. Yeah, um, I think that's the plan. She's definitely the best mare I've ever ridden, uh, without any any doubts whatsoever. She was um, bloody good o- over in bumpers. She was brilliant over hurdles, and she was an even better chaser, wasn't she? Um, so I, I presume that's the plan for her. Um, I, I, I haven't sat on her yet this season, so um, I couldn't tell you, but... Um, I couldn't tell you how she's going or whatever, but that is the plan for her. I'm excited about seeing her. Uh, Allegor Devasi and Impervious look two exceptionally talented young horses, but do not forget uh, the Paul Nichols trained horse, Silver Forever, who is making strides. What is the one horse, Harry, that you are dreaming about riding at the spring festivals? I suppose it's Brave Mind's game, isn't it? Um Closely followed by Hermes, Allen, and Tamaris. Um, but I think um, from 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 a jockey's point of view, in 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 the Nichols Yard at the moment, we sort of we've gone through a lot of, sort of a transition period where our sort of old good horses, you know, the top of the games, the Clanders, they've all they've all gone. Um, so we we are sort of going through a bit of a transition period where we've got loads of. You know, Horses that have ran in bumpers and a few point to pointers and novice her coming. Through. So um, hopefully in the next eighteen to months to two years, our our quality is going to go from strength to strength. It's an exciting time, Harry. A very exciting time, and there is some proper Grade One talent to look forward to for you, uh, Harry. I'm looking forward to talking to you again soon. Very best of luck for the next few weeks, and um, hopefully the winning run continues. Lovely job. Cheers. Thank you. And a reminder that that interview was recorded a couple of weeks ago for Racing Live on TalkSport 2 with Harry Cobden. But there's so much gold info from him that we just had to share it with you and hopefully you've enjoyed it. And for that matter, the great insight from Brendan Powell and from Daryl Jacob as well. A pleasure speaking to them. More big name guests and special shows coming your way right here 
on the Final Furlong podcast, including our latest Cheltenham Antipost special. Thanks for the kind words about our most recent one with Barry and Paul Ferguson. Paul, in tremendous form, he's back for another few specials very, very soon. He'll be joined by Dennis O'Regan. His insight has been going down a storm. Thank you for the kind words about that as well. And I know Dennis is very pleased with that too. Those specials are coming your way. Weekend previews and big interview shows as well. So remember to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. One of our sponsors is Spotify, but even they'll tell you Apple Podcasts is huge for the Final Forum Podcast. 79% of our listeners listen to the show on an Apple device. So if you haven't already, a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app would be much appreciated. And if you've been kind enough to do that already, then might I ask borrow or steal from your friends your family your colleagues your enemies get your hands on another smartphone another tablet and another five star rating another like and subscribe it all helps with the algorithm we were ranked as a top show on Apple Podcasts the other day and that's always an amazing sign so thank you so so much for that we've got more great content coming your way which I very much hope you'll enjoy as the countdown to Cheltenham continues on the Final Forum Podcast be safe be well the Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by BetDAC. Get 0% commission on all sports for 100 days when you join BetDAC.com. New customers only, terms and conditions apply. And by All About Sunday, the ownership experience where you can own three racehorses for only £18.99 per month. Visit AllAboutSunday.com to get involved today.